Everyone, welcome back to the Time Shifters podcast. And Matt and I are both here in studio, finally. Back again. <laughs> Sorry for the little little pause in our programming there. It's been a month since we've sat down together. We had some cool stuff that came up and just couldn't get together. It was things happening on the on the weekends that we were going to record. And uh, like the Comic Expo, we both went down different days, as yep. I explained in the, in the last episode. I was curious what uh, what you thought of the Expo this year. Because this is your second expo, right? Yeah. Or Cincinnati Comic Expo. Yeah. So I didn't take in any panels, but I just I just walked around a bunch to talk to a few people just kind of on the side. Um, it was a lot of fun. Um, there were, I feel like last year there was a lot more props and toys to buy. This mm-hmm. year, way more comic books, way more artists than I remembered from last year. Now that you mention it, I, I, I agree with you. You're yeah. right. Yeah, there was a little fewer toy vendors, much more in the way of... Um, Authors, uh, yeah. artists, um, obviously comic book dealers. Which uh, is great. That's, uh-huh. that's, that's what, what it should for. be there yeah. for. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I wonder if they got some feedback or anything on that where they people are just like, you know, it's supposed to be a comic book expo. Right. and. You got like two booths. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Last year it was like two, maybe three. Yeah, there was a lot of toys. Everyone's crowded around it. Uh, Other than the uh, the Tower of T shirts, which is you know always there, always there. That's at every con. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, You're right. There wasn't as many just toy vendors. There were Uh a few. I mean, so if you wanted to take look at some stuff or whatever, it didn't even really connect (laughs) until you just said that. I'm like, I did walk around and like I didn't stop a lot to look at (laughs) toys and 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 props. That's that. Yeah. No, it was a really Great. I think they did a nice job this year as far as how they set it up. Mm-hmm. Um, it was easy to get around. Uh, I like that the uh, celebrities were a, seemed a little bit more accessible, the yeah. media celebs and stuff that were there. Uh, last year, they literally had them, like, cordoned off with rope. You know, they had the velvet right. rope that you had to wind through. And this time, they had them out kind of in the corner away from everything else. And you could see where they had, like, tape on the ground yeah. so they could create a little snake to mm-hmm. if there was, the line was long. But otherwise, it was, hey, I'm here. I'm here to talk. You just walk up to them. Yeah. And that, for someone like me who's trying to maybe get an interview or two, that makes it, <laughs> yeah. that makes they, it real easy. Yeah, they had them in the corner, but it was a very open space. Mm-hmm. And you could just sort of, like, just walk, who, who is that? Let me see the face. Things yeah. like that. And so, yeah, it was a lot more accessible. Bummed that Carrie Owens had to drop out. He was the one yeah. person I wanted to go up and of talk people, to. A lot of people were disappointed. Yeah, especially since it was days leading up. I mm-hmm. hope everything's okay that he had to, to drop out like that. I didn't look into like any reasons why, but I was just sort of like, oh, because I saw a lot of people kind of cosplaying from his stuff, and I'm yeah. just sort of like, well, well I wonder had, if they um, know. They had a, a always get his name backwards, Wallace Shawn, or is it Sean Wallace? I think it's Wallace Shawn. Wallace Shawn, yeah, because I always think it's Sean Wallace. <laughs> yeah, they had Wallace Shawn there, too, so they were really hoping. There were a lot of people that were going Princess Bride fans that mm-hmm. were probably had some posters and stuff or DVDs that would, they would have loved to have had a couple autographs. I would have gotten my Blu-ray autograph, <laughs> autograph by Carrie was absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, it was good. The, the, everyone uh, that I talked to seemed to be really happy and seemed like they were doing well. They were, they enjoyed the response they were getting as far as the vendors and stuff go, yeah. and uh, you know, all the artists and everything that were there. So. Yeah, it was a good year. I think they've um, they re- may have really hit something this year. I yeah. hopefully that did well for them, and they decide to continue on. And they knocked Comic Con out. Comic Con wasn't yeah. there this year. Comic Con yeah, has true. bailed on Cincinnati. <laughs> yeah, what was it? The Northern Kentucky Comic Con? They called like it Cincinnati Comic Con, but I think it was over across the river in Kentucky. But, yeah. Well, I'm kind good of glad. For <laughs> good for them because Expo was here first. Right. Comic Con tried to move in on them. So. 
Yeah, good for them. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed yourself. Uh, yeah, I enjoyed myself. Uh, you know, as uh, last episode, you should you heard some uh, interviews and stuff that I did with some of the vendors and stuff. Did you stop at any of the artists? Did you any jump out at you? There was one that I really liked. Um, none off the top of my head. Um, kind of, you know, would stop and browse, but right. didn't didn't stop and have any conversations. So a lot of them just seemed really like focused on what they were working on. Yeah, that's true. So um, there was one, I can't remember his name. I remember seeing him there last year, but a lot of uh, the stuff that he was, you know, advertised, like known for was um, the Kyle Rayner Green Lantern oh, that sure. was that big metal mask. And I always like, I've always loved that mask. <laughs> so if he's the guy that designed it, good on you. <laughs> yeah. There was an actual, uh, an artist there that was doing this stuff called Ukiyo Pop, which was taking a uh, Japanese uh, pop uh, art style and, integrating like modern like comic book or movies into that art style and it was really cool so you'd see like uh, a scene that you if you if you know what you're looking at it's a scene sort of taken from like star wars where you see the stormtroopers and our heroes and their sword battles but it's done in an art style that makes it look like samurai you know like white samurai and it was really cool i mean it's kind of as i did described it as like it's one of these things where you can hang it on your wall and if you're not a geek you just think oh he's so cultured look at this asian artwork <laughs> you know but if you know what you're looking for oh that's you know that's the hulk that's right <laughs> there was one this was really cl- i almost bought a couple where they just took old action figures and took photos of them in real areas and so there was one where they had like these old justice league action figures and they put them in front of what was used to design the Hall of Justice. The Union Terminal. Yes, right. and it was a great oh, picture. Oh, neat. So, so it's a real photograph. Forced perspective. Yes, nice. exactly. There's one where it's like this great silhouette of Batman, and you just see like the, the city out behind him. And I'm just like, these are wonderful. Oh, I missed that. Yeah, oh, they sorry, had a I bunch, of, and they were already framed, so it was just all set and ready to go. They weren't that big. They were all like, you know, four by sixes, mm-hmm. and they were just so clever. And I was like, if I buy one, I'm going to end up buying ten, because yeah. these are all really good yeah that's what they mentioned that the, the sale that it's, it's yeah it's four it's one for this price but if you buy four All right <laughs> you're broke <laughs> oh i missed that i'm sorry they I were did. really really Maybe good it's a good thing i did because i'd probably be in the same position <laughs> yes you'd be looking at someone my wall right now <laughs> yeah there were like four or five or like i kind of want these that's very cool can't remember what they were called, but uh, if you saw it, you know what I'm talking about. And that gives you an idea that how much the expo was grown because I went down. And I completely missed that. You could walk through that entire thing and not see everything. You'll miss something. Yeah, yeah. It's it's really grown. I mean, this was its eighth year, I think, and the amount that it's grown is just unbelievable. Yeah. So, good on them. Well, what kind of news do we have? Well, there's a few things that came out. There's been a month of news. Um, we're not going to go back and cover everything, but I'm sure there's a few highlights here. You mentioned that the as we record t- today, the latest and greatest Justice League trailer came out. Yes. And, I, and so I sat, I finally watched that. Man, that there's a lot of stuff that they're squeezing into this movie. Yeah. 
There are only two parts that I really like because it, it's one part right at the beginning and one part right at the end, and everything else is just action, 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 action. Yeah. And that can go either way. You know, you can make any movie look good with how you cut it in a trailer. Mm-hmm. But I really like the beginning because it just, it's finally Superman is in a trailer, or in this case, right. Clark Kent is in the trailer, and he's just standing and the music slow. It's that really, I really like the music from Man of Steel. Mm hmm. And he's just standing out in the field, and Lois goes out to see him, and she kind of can't believe he's standing there. And you're supposed to think, is this it? Is he back? And he's he mentions that she's wearing the ring that he gave her, but you know she didn't see until after he died in Batman v Superman. And he goes, so I guess that's a yes. And then she wakes up. Right. And I'm just sitting there going, like, did they cut it to look like a dream? <laughs> Does this is it happen? A dream? Yeah. Um, but I just like it because. I really like Henry Cavill, and I want them to give him more to work with. He wasn't given that much to do in Man of Steel except walk around and talk. He has very few lines in Batman v Superman. I want to see that Clark Kent who's enjoying standing out in the field and having the sun come on his face, and and he's just he's happy. That's what I want to see. Mm-hmm. I, he can do so much with that. Yeah, I don't. I would like to see just a kind of happy Superman film. Everyone kind of wants to go this whole dark superhero, the, yeah. the brooding, like with all the Batman. And well, well Batman's supposed to be brooding. You're supposed right. those are supposed to be dark. He's Superman, <laughs> the Superman films should be light. They yeah. should be colorful. They should be exciting and yeah. and, and enjoyable. They shouldn't be the dark introspective look into a alien super. No, that that's not what Superman is. Exactly. <laughs> There's so many that that's Martian Manhunter. You can yeah, do, do that. Do a Martian, yeah, very, yeah. Um, do that. Get that film going if you exactly. want to tell that story. So Superman is supposed to be. He's in a dark world, but he's bringing hope to it. He's right. bringing light to it. People sitting there saying like, "Well, how can you make this decision?" And he gives you a great explanation. It's like, "Come on, writer, step up and explain why this hopeful person can inspire a jaded world." And that scene kind of touched on it a little bit because that <laughs> slow smile comes across his face the sun's coming up and it's just sort of like this could be what I'm waiting for and then the other part I liked is right at the end with um, Ezra Miller's Barry Allen going oh that's the bat signal that's oh shh so quiet God, no one knows you're Batman but that's your symbol that means we gotta go <laughs> like yeah. oh he's gonna be so much fun in this movie yeah he's definitely gonna be the, the, the standout he's yeah. gonna be the uh, I guess he's gonna be the comic relief <laughs> yeah I think he's gonna be the but comic in a good relief. way right in a really good way not in a dorky sidekick way because there's that other part in a previous trailer where uh, he's like you know I don't know how to fight I just sort of run in push people and then run away <laughs> it's like so this is a flash who's still learning how to be right. you know, a hero and not just someone who's stopping the mugger mm-hmm. so this is his first real battle and so i think there's going to be a really good arc there and when i heard ezra miller got cast i was like okay you've really turned me on to this character because he's so good i've seen him in a few things he has tons of range and i believe in him i mean like we we've said before i mean we want a good justice league movie i mean we have hopes for this we're but gonna have a frankenstein of a movie <laughs> I'm, I'm concerned because of all the back all the stuff that's going on behind the door you know yeah. behind the scenes but it, you know maybe it'll work itself out or at least yeah. be good enough that they're like okay now we can 
try to do this next film and we won't have all these issues and we can hope. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, I want it to be good. I, I want them to do more. I keep hearing them talking about how, oh, they might step away a little bit from a shared universe. And I'm like, you're saying this on the heels of Justice League coming out. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Does this mean you guys think it's bad? I don't know how to read that. Yeah. Um, yeah. DC's always got that in there, that, that, you know, bold in their belt is the oh, it didn't do too well, but that's okay because that wasn't the real universe. That was, you know, yeah, that was Bizarro universe. Right. I think that's what the Flashpoint movie is going to be. You didn't like it? We'll just undo it. Don't worry about it. Yeah, no problem. That didn't really happen. Ah, well. So, what else have we got? Anything? Um, keeping in keeping with franchises. Um, since we last recorded, we weren't sure who the next uh, Star Wars director would be. Oh, that's right. They officially yep. announced it would be J.J. Abrams. Yeah, I think that came out like a day or two after we recorded uh-huh. or after our episode aired. Yeah. So how do you feel about that? My, my thought, I think, on, on, on the Facebook or someone commented, maybe it was you. I was like, I wonder how big the Death Star will be this time. Uh, <laughs> that wasn't me. That's that was good, you. Though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah um, I, I don't care. I didn't. I wasn't a fan of uh, Force Awakens. I mean, it was fine, yeah. but it was, oh, look, Star Wars again. Again. <laughs> um, and there's no denying that. It's the same story. Uh, it's like the third time they've told this story now, and it's like, uh, so I, whatever. It's JJ. I'm not as huge a fan of the you know expanded Star Wars universe as a lot of people are. I enjoy the original 3 films, you know, the 77 Star Wars, The Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi. Big fan of those films. Outside of that, I'll take or leave the stuff. You know, I'll watch it if I have the time kind of thing. I'll bring them home from the library <laughs> on DVD or something. I'm not going to go, you know, You're not rush. going opening night dressed as Vader. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I just I I'm not going to rush out to the theater to see, see this stuff and yeah, JJ is just not impressed me with his work. Uh, I think he is a director with a few good ideas that he keeps reusing over and over again. And, you know, eventually someone will call him out on it. You You just did. (laughs) But he doesn't listen to me. No one seems to be listening to me. Yes. Uh, Glad if people are happy, you know, great, good, whatever. Uh, More lens flares for the lightsabers. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not as far down the road as you are, but I'm kind of on that path of, like, he had his shot. He told his story. I was entertained by that movie, but it's, you know, it's okay. It's fun. I like the characters. You have fun with it. It's a popcorn movie. Mm -hmm. But ultimately, I want something different from a Star Wars movie, especially if you're going to continue with those certain characters and try and, you know, get the new ones going. I feel he could have done a lot more, like, they constantly used uh, Captain Phasma in the promotions and she's not in the movie like yeah. at all really. Um, they could have done so much more with Poe Dameron who I thought was the most interesting character and it's just sort of like he gets hung up on certain things and just like you said he just uses it over and over again. So I think uh, I like the idea of three different directors three different movies. Now they've kind of undone that and I, I want them to just go a different route bring mm-hmm. someone in. I think it's interesting how they they market the movies. It seems like they're still marketing the movies for the toy franchise, and it's like that can't be that big of a of a um, a money maker anymore. So, like you were saying, the Captain Phasma. So it's all in the trailers, and then you get to the movie, and they're like, 
60 seconds of screen time or something yeah. maybe you know and i'm thinking that just seems like it was something to put in there to sell a toy right and you can sell that toy and give her a roll <laughs> yeah i felt that i remember feeling the same way in like the uh when they were marketing the the prequels they had um different lightsaber each they had like uh, darth maul and they had like a 30 second scene of him getting onto like a speeder bike thing and shooting off and that was it. That's all that thing is in the film. But you could get a toy for it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, wow. I mean, they're literally, is this a movie based on a toy franchise now? It's kind it, of what it feels like. It is for George Lucas because that's where his billions came from. Sure. Um, yeah. That's what made him all his money because they believed in the original one so little that he got all the, <laughs> the marketing <laughs> rights and the uh, merchandising rights. So I definitely see it from his point of view. Um, but yeah, you don't have to sacrifice story and, and structure for that. To sell something. Yeah. Right. So yeah, that's where Star Wars is heading. That's where Star Wars, yeah, okay. And I think it, it's it's a shame because I think Star Wars sells itself. You don't have to try to sell Star Wars right. to anybody. You put Star Wars on the front of a, of a film's name, people are going to go see it. Right. You don't need to, well, you don't need to sell it. I mean, mm-hmm. you don't need the toys. You don't need to, you know, try to make it look cool. People are going to go see this thing because yeah. it's Star Wars. Mm-hmm. So just tell a good story. <laughs> <laughs> You're like shaking. You really yeah. want this. <laughs> make me like the franchise again. <laughs> yeah, I'm hopeful for this second movie um, just because it's. it sounds like it's going to be quite different from what's come before. All right. We'll leave it at that, and we'll uh, take a short break here, have a promo for another podcast. And when we get back, finally, we're going to talk Howard the Duck. Yes. Okay, you know what it's like. You're flicking through Amazon or the local DVD shop when suddenly you discover a film that you haven't seen in years but which you remember as being legendary. The purchase is hastily made. You invite friends over, make popcorn and settle down to watch this classic. Then it becomes apparent that your mind has double-crossed you and that this film is frankly awful. Soon your friends have deserted you, your boss says he has to let you go and even your dog won't come when you call. How did it go so wrong? Well, in the interests of public harmony, a new podcast I saw that years ago sets out to watch the old films that your memory has convinced you are brilliant, but which in reality could be anything but. So join me, your host, Martin Darkley, and my compatriot, Gentleman Joe, as we watch the old films so you don't have to. Find us at www.isawthatyearsago.com or on iTunes. All right, thanks for sticking with us. Okay, Howard the Duck. We were going to talk about this, oh my gosh, two weeks ago, a month ago. (laughs) It seems like forever ago. We're finally here. Um, Yes. Howard the Duck. I have not seen this before. Oh, really? I thought I had. You thought you had. (laughs) But I watched the film and does not look familiar whatsoever. Oh, I maybe I saw commercials. <laughs> <laughs> maybe I just saw commercials. Uh saw trailers or something, but I don't think I've ever seen the film before. Had I known that I probably wouldn't have done this to you. <laughs> <laughs> 
It was um, special. It was special. <laughs> yeah, uh, I could see why this would end up on someone's guilty pleasure list. Absolutely. Uh, it doesn't end up on mine. It doesn't replace any or, or find its way into mine. It was an okay film. Um, I was trying to think the best way to describe this thing, and I think the premise of the film may have been ahead of its time. Sure. The execution was a product product of its time. I agree with that 100%. Yeah. Uh, I, as I understand it, I'm not familiar really with even with the, the comic books or anything, but as I understand it, they are borderline adult-themed yes. uh, comics, mm-hmm. and they had to tone that down a lot to make this a – PG film and I think that's where maybe the unfortunate bit lies this film probably would have been better had it stuck closer to the theme of the comics right? but then you wouldn't have been able to make that movie in 1986 yeah uh, yeah the original comics were a bit not darker but more mature they were a satire um, Howard was a bit of a a foul mouth and you know wisecracking but like as a jerk kind of thing mm-hmm. and you know always had a cigar in his mouth kind of thing and like in this they reference that a little bit he'd pick one up but then he'd like get rid of it real quick and just like you said he kind of got stuck between is this for kids and family or is this for like later teens and up like mm-hmm. where and it didn't know which side of the fence it wanted to to fall on and so it got caught in between because there were moments where you're just sort of like this isn't for kids yeah that was a new duck in the tub yes <laughs> and that's in the first two minutes of the movie i will say though the opening even though okay so the the comic was the the writer was uh steve gerber mm-hmm and for years when he worked on it, they kept pitching, well, let's do like a duck world. And he kept saying, no, that sounds terrible. Seeing it in the movie, I could watch a whole movie about duck world. <laughs> I could too. That's one of the things I enjoyed the most were all the little um, uh, the puns. The puns. That was you know, so much fun. <laughs> it was. It was you know, Breeders of the Lost Ark. Uh, May Nest. <laughs> yeah, May Nest and, 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 and WC, WC Fowl. Fowl. <laughs> Yeah, he lived in Washington, D.C. <laughs> uh, I love that stuff. That yeah. was hysterical. And uh, the money, where it's essentially it's Washington, but with a with, beak. With a bill. <laughs> <laughs> it's, they had fun doing that, and I had fun watching that. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, that I, yeah, you could do a whole like hour and a half movie, and I, I'd be on board for that ridiculousness. Yeah, so that was Tim Robbins. <laughs> I yeah. saw his name in the credits, and Tim I kept Robbins. waiting for him to show up. And I'm like, wait a minute, that's Tim Robbins. Yeah, like right at the beginning of his <laughs> yeah. career. Yeah, very um, young. Um, mm-hmm. Wow, it's amazing he went on. Did anyone gave him anything else to do? <laughs> well, that was the thing. This almost ended the careers of those three people of Leah Thompson, Tim Robbins, and, and Jeffrey Jones. Jeffrey Jones is kind of like the only one who didn't fully bounce back. You know him for a few things, but... Not much. Well, I don't know. Jeffrey Jones is always kind of like oddball character. He but was, I wonder if this kind of shoehorned him into oh, that and maybe. got him stuck. Yeah, where was uh, where was Beetlejuice? I remember him in Beetlejuice. And right. He was sort of normal, but just kind of oddball. When was that? Um, was that after this? That would have been after this one. Probably. Mm-hmm. I think that was even later into the 90s. Yeah. Or oh, 80s. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 80s. Okay. I, I don't think, you know, I, I remember him from Beetlejuice. I remember him from Howard the Duck, and I remember him from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. I know he's oh, right, been in right, other right. things, but 
you just wonder like if he didn't get stuck in Howard the Duck and like how much more his career could have been. Mm-hmm. Um, Tim Robbins is probably the only one who fully bounced back. You know, I wonder being, if he took. I, I, I should have looked up Tim Robbins' filmography and see if there's like a like a four year gap. <laughs> Maybe he just kind of sat back for a little bit and <laughs> right and wait till everyone forgets. <laughs> yeah, this almost completely torpedoed Leah Thompson's career. Where there was, I can't remember what it was, but there was a movie that she initially said no to because she didn't want to be in it. Howard the Duck comes out. She had no offers, so she had to go back and say, you know what? I will do that movie because I need to get my face back out there as not this. And I feel like, you know, she never, you know, cleared that hurdle of being like the leading woman, even though she had the talent to. Oh, absolutely. And I, again, I wonder how much Howard the Duck played that role of like, well, we'll put you in the movie, but you're not the lead. Mm. Uh, The Howard... um for the time, pretty impressive. Yeah. Uh, he was a uh, mixture of a suit actor and animatronic uh, puppet, depending right. on, the, on, the, on the scene. Not a bad job. Uh, I think it could be pulled off a little better today. They did mm-hmm. a pretty nice job with giving his eyes a lot of expression. Yeah. Uh, I was thinking, though, it's a shame they can't make the beak move better. Right. I mean, I know it's supposed to be a duck. A duck's beak really doesn't move. But if you're asking us to accept a humanoid duck, you can make his beak flex, you know, yeah. and, and and make some snarls or, you know, smiles or, or whatever. I'd accept it because it would have made him a little bit easier to watch. Sure. Oh, I was reading a lot of that had to do with the fact that they didn't even have their voice actor identified until mm-hmm. all principal photography was done. Right. So basically he's going in and trying to like sync his lines up to the movements and it was it was really difficult. So I thought that was interesting of essentially he's got to do like performance art. Yeah. Yeah, I read the um, uh, puppeteer uh, Tim Rose did the lines during the filming and then someone else came in later and, and overlaid their stuff on top of his work. Um, but you've got to work without that original actor's timing and you've got to like, you know, like, well, how do I do my own timing? Yeah, what if I want to say it just a little bit longer? Yeah, what if I want to like hang on a beat? You can't really put your own right. uh, edge or your own um, spin on anything mm-hmm. because you got to fit what, what's already going on. Right. Yeah, interesting. Uh, I don't know what else to. <laughs> it it just it wasn't a bad film. I remember I'm sitting there watching it. And it's like I'm not disliking it, but I'm just not loving it. It's right. just sort of this right in the middle. That happened kind of thing. <laughs> That's yeah. where I was for Sky Captain. <laughs> yeah, yeah, kind of the same. And um, you know, George Lucas um, was an executive producer on this movie. Apparently, he was the one who kind of came forward and said, let's do a Howard the Duck movie, because mm-hmm. he was kind of like flying high out of, I have money, and I can make right. whatever I want. But I, I kept reading different things of some people saying he was heavily involved, some people saying that he wasn't really involved much at all, but ILM was involved. And you could see those effects were good. Yeah, that's actually the special effects and the uh, stunt work yeah. were incredible, top notch, really were. And just how um, Jeffrey Jones's character is slowly transforming. Mm-hmm, he starts mm-hmm. like where he's red in the face, and that, that's all him acting, and he's yeah. sweating. But then all of a sudden, like you can see his face the, is uh, changing, eyebrow ridges, and, yeah, yeah, and like his skull is just like almost coming <laughs> out of the skin. And then they change his hair, and then he's got the spikes coming out of the back Mm -hmm. but that scene where they're in the truck 
And he's like, I need to recharge. Oh. That's the, terrifying. Tentacle out of the mouth. Oh, <laughs> yes. yeah. That's and disgusting. it's sliming. And, yeah. What did you think when you saw that part? Because, like, there's nothing in the movie up to that point that sets you up for that moment. Like, mm-hmm. it, it's a goofball of a movie until right then. Yeah. And so what was your reaction when – because I first saw it when I was, like, five. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> and uh, I just remember being a kid being like, I don't like this I part. I don't like it. It was it, – it was pretty disgusting, is what it was. <laughs> uh, it was interesting because you you know that you know supposedly, or he had said that he took this form because you know his appearance would be deemed too you know disgusting or something yeah. like that, and that yeah I'd need to recharge, and then that thing starts coming out of his mouth. Oh, that's right. That takes you right into some sort of weird. Um, oh, what's the like uh, Cthulhu sort of uh-huh. themed. <laughs> uh, Breaking in real quick to just say that the word I am stumbling for is Lovecraftian. Lovecraftian. Kind of like the thing a little bit. It turns into a body horror film. <laughs> <laughs> so the um, director of the movie, Willard Hawk. Huck, I think, yeah. I think this was his last film. This was his last film. This did stop his career. Yeah. I mean, he he actually also, if you look him up, uh, had a pretty good writing career. He wrote American Graffiti. Mm. He wrote Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Wow, okay. Like, those are two really good movies, and... Uh, I think he said something along the lines of Howard the Duck kind of put him in like this niche with people. So he just sort of gave up on like Holly. Like he went on to like doing plays Mm. and whatnot and he got went more into drama and things like that. I think that's unfortunate because I really feel that as far as directing and the actors that are involved, everyone did incredible with what they were given. Yeah. And I think you needed a good director to pull a lot of that out. Right. If this is your story and this is what you're trying to do, mm-hmm. you need a really strong director to kind of keep it everything in check. And I think he did a fantastic job. Right. I mean, I, probably is the reason it's not, for me, just an awful movie. It's just a movie. Right. And that isn't his fault. It's just it's just what he had to work with. Yeah. The, like, there's no plot holes. There's no like breakdown in the structure. It's got a very clear first, second, and third act, and mm-hmm. it's just sort of odd. And not even in its pacing, it's just sort of like, oh, okay, we're dealing with an alien invasion now. Yeah. I was a little surprised that you know I plug it in and find out it's like an hour and fifty minutes long. Yeah, I'm like really <laughs> it's a long movie. And so I'm watching the film, and I'm kind of in the back of my mind thinking, all right what's the padding? What can they cut out? And the strange thing is, is there's really nothing they can cut out. It's just everything that's there is sort of just drawn out those few extra seconds more than maybe they need it to be. Yeah. Um, you definitely get a lot of, you know, uh, Tim Robbins and Howard and the, uh, the uh, ultralight uh, chase scene. Yeah. You know, you get a lot of that. Uh-huh. Maybe they could have trimmed that down a little bit. Um, there was just the occasional... Uh, scenes of um, maybe Beverly rocking with her band and things like that, which are important. I get to the story, but it's just all of it's all of it is like just add a second to every scene. Yeah, and that's where those extra thirty minutes comes from. Yeah, I agree with that. I think this is a movie, and and the scene that really made me think of it is if you went darker, if you committed to like PG thirteen, or even today, if you take it to like an R rating, because. Mm-hmm. Ne- 
Marvel and Disney, they own it again. Right. They had that fun cameo of Howard the Duck in the Guardians of the Galaxy movies. Mm-hmm. And it seemed like they kind of went back to original Howard the Duck of, you know, he's foul mouth and smoking a cigar and doesn't really care. And, and they know they can make R-rated films now with Deadpool and the the, the Wolverine films. Yeah. Now's the time. If you're going to do a Howard the Duck, now is the time. Yeah. So it's the scene in the diner. Whereas if that scene was just a little bit darker, because there were parts where it was like, like, this is where you know it's about an alien invasion, and they're about to kill Howard. Like, they're tying him up. Like, mm-hmm. he's talking to them. They're not 100% sure <laughs> this isn't a person in a costume. They don't care. They're about to cut his head off. And then you've got Leia Thompson going, are you just going to sit there? She took my eggs. <laughs> I like that part. Like, that's how you could have infused some goofball humor. I feel you could have almost taken the exact same dialogue throughout this movie, but if you put it in a slightly more, like, dystopian kind of world, those jokes would have hit home a little harder. Hmm. And, and that was the scene where it just made me go, yeah, go darker. Make it make it creepier throughout the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Like, when he first lands and he's in the alley and those, like, guys jump Leia Thompson. Like, if that kind of stuff happened throughout, not just, you know, rather than just, now we're outside and it's light and it's bright and the kids think you're cute. Like, right. no. Show trash everywhere. Just make this a messed up world. Right. Yeah, the, the um, <clears throat> how the world accepted Howard always seem to be kind of walking on this line of, oh, he's weird, and they accept him all at the same time. It's it, it just didn't feel natural. He goes to the unemployment office, and that yeah. woman does not care that this is a duck, duck? looking at yeah. her. It's you people that look want to try to look all extreme so you can't find work. <laughs> Wait, what? Have you come across someone that put a duck bill on her right. head? <laughs> like, what's going on? And yeah, and because in the comics, Howard is very much in the Marvel universe. Like he's teamed up with Doctor Strange. He's teamed up with Spider Man. I would love to see him like almost have like ten minute cameos in in future movies where he just like shows up and he's working with Tom Holland Spider Man. But then he leaves. <laughs> right. He comes in. He smokes his cigar. He punches somebody out. He throws his cigar down and he gets the hell out of there. Like I would be down for that. And then eventually you kind of set up having a beer with Deadpool. Yes. <laughs> you could easily do that. And uh, yeah, it, and then set up his own movie because then you tease him enough that people would be like, I kind of want to see more of this character mm-hmm. and just see what you can do with it. Yeah, like I said, it's a product of its time. Uh, today, I think you could pull it off. I think you could pull off an enjoyable, a funny, uh, if you if we want to do the comedy route, I think you could definitely make it funny. You could make it crude. Um, all of the above. You know, you could throw in nudity, you could throw in language, all that stuff today. And I think that's what Howard the Duck needed. Yeah. And it, like I said, you just couldn't do that in 1986. I think you could. I just think it – I mean, then it just – obviously, it wouldn't be a family movie, and I think it would have gotten lost. I think it would have been one of those movies that, like, 12 people saw, mm-hmm. and it would just would have, like, slowly become this cult movie of, no, this is great. I can't believe no one saw this. This should have gotten more press. But it's like, would George Lucas have done that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, George Lucas was pretty riding high with a lot of the family films and, you know, Ewok adventure. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, he definitely wanted to continue on the family franchise. I just, I'm not sure why you would take a sort of adult orientated comic book character and try to make a family film out of it. It just seemed like an odd choice to Mm -hmm. even begin with. Yeah, there's very little in the movie that actually has directly to do 
with the comic book other than it's Howard, he knows Quack Fu, and he's hanging out with Beverly. That's mm-hmm. essentially it. There's yeah. nothing else that's really in common. Like, even what Beverly does is not the same in the comic book. Oh, really? In the comic book, she is originally um, like a nude model. Oh, you can see why they changed that. They essentially put her in Gem and the Holograms in this movie because <laughs> she looks exactly like it. Oh, Leia Thompson, though, 1986. That is a beautiful woman. <laughs> <laughs> How did you feel when that whole, like, they're in bed together? Uh, I it's remember, so weird. <laughs> yeah, I'm, maybe I've just I've heard about it, seen clips of it or whatever, and it's like I wasn't sure about this whole, you know, and I thought maybe – it went on, and then in the end, in the actual film, if you if you listen to the dialogue, it's everyone's just having fun. She's just joking with them. Yeah, and it's like, oh, thank goodness, <laughs> thank goodness, Leah Thompson really wasn't suggesting you know, duck on human sex. <laughs> but then later in the diner, she calls out, "He's my boyfriend." Yeah, and then did you watch it all the way to the end, all the way to it fading to black? Uh, or did you turn it off when they were just sort of like rocking with the music and the credits were rolling? I might not have seen anything. In the, I don't remember. So it's all the way to the end. The song finishes. The crowd is cheering. She pulls Howard off to the side behind stage and she like kneels down and mm-hmm. he, he says something like, oh, not bad for a duck or whatever. And she like strokes his face and says like, oh, duck. And she leans in and then it fades. Oh, and I'm just sitting there going, like, I don't remember that. <laughs> I thought she was just leaning in for a hug. I don't know. Because in the comic books, they are a couple. Yeah. So, I... Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> Her band, uh, Cherry Bomb. Yes. And I was sitting there like, wait a minute, I recognize her. There was someone who I recognized. I didn't look her and, up And either. now I can't think of her name. Holly Robinson. Which... Uh, Holly Robinson... Uh, Pete is her name oh, now, yeah. I guess. Yeah, I remember her from Twenty One Jump Street. Oh, okay, the movie. Yeah, uh, no, the uh, the. Oh, well, the, she was in the movie. Too. She was in the. Oh, was she? I'm in, pulling in the it cameo all up. though. Okay, yeah, she was in the television series Twenty One Jump Street. I was, that was just so fun. I just I have not seen her probably since. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, wait, she seems familiar. Who is she? Howard the Duck up. took her career too. Yeah. <laughs> I will say this. This this is a weird thing. Um, I'm not that great at it anymore because I haven't kept up with it. But there was a period of time where I was really good at doing Six Degrees of Howard the Duck. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Well, you probably could with this film, especially with someone like Tim Robbins. Yes. Tim Robbins. Essentially, (laughs) somebody called me out on it, and it was true. Essentially, it was, well, how can I connect someone to Morgan Freeman? Because Morgan Freeman's in Shawshank Redemption with Tim Robbins, and that gets you. And Morgan Freeman's in a lot of stuff. Right. But, yeah, I was really, really good at Six Degrees in Howard the Duck to the point where people were like, this doesn't seem possible. And they were throwing everybody they could think at me. And you give me 10 minutes. Minutes and I can do it. <laughs> That's funny. Well, there you go on the Facebook group, people. If you want to, if you want Matt to play t- Six Degrees of Howard the Duck, <laughs> post an actor. <laughs> I got real to the point where people were like, "This is messed up." <laughs> no, I can definitely see where that could happen because of some of the people that were in this film, or even like Leah Thompson, who in her, she's got connections. She's yeah. got connection. Her earlier career, she started with a lot of actors who yeah. would grow on to be, you know big stars who mm-hmm. would then star with a lot of other actors right. and so forth and yeah i could definitely see where this film would uh, branch off from a, in, just by you know, being in back to the future that connects her to a ton of people yeah exactly 
Yeah, and Tim Robbins goes on to you know start all kinds, like you said, right. and then time to Morgan Freeman, and like, well, there you—that's as far as you really need to go. Right. He's I just got a four degrees at <laughs> Morgan Freeman. It was a fine film. I, I can't say it's a film I'm ever going to watch again. That's fine. Yeah, I just, will. Yeah, yeah. But like I said, I can see where it would be a guilty pleasure for somebody. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that I saw it as a kid, and a lot of those adult things went over my head. And then mm-hmm. as time goes by, you watch it, and it becomes a very different movie. Mm-hmm. But you still have that positive feeling of being a kid, so you just start mixing it all together, where it's like, I recognize it's awful, but it makes me smile. <laughs> yeah, I think if I had seen this when I was you know, 10 years old or something like that, I think it probably would have been hysterical because it's this duck and yeah. yeah, it's in our world and he's crazy and he's doing quack foo. Yeah. Uh-huh, yeah. Yeah. I think that probably would have, uh, would have been pretty funny and it would probably, maybe you'd have, have that little place in my heart or something <laughs> <laughs> that it does with you. If nothing else, some awesome special effects. Like I said, the stunt yeah. work and the special effects are really good. good. There are a couple, you, you, you do spot a, a cable or two, uh, on some <laughs> of the stunt guys. I do. <laughs> I noticed the guy that gets thrown through the window and into the car. You can see the cable that pulls him through the window. Oh, I missed that. Yeah. I'll have to watch it again. You have to watch it again. <laughs> Good premise, bad execution. Absolutely. Yeah. And I like it. <laughs> Matt likes it. Uh, I guess that is going to do it for us. Uh, any feedback or anything, send it to timeshifterspodcast at gmail.com. Uh, join us on our Facebook group. Uh, just go to facebook.com slash group slash timeshifters. And you can tweet us and follow us on Twitter at timeshifterspod and then at movies at the mat. Uh, that is going to do it. I don't know what we're going to do in a couple weeks here. We haven't really had a chance to discuss it or uh, come up with anything, I don't think. No. If anyone has suggestions. Yeah. We'll have to come up with a theme for uh, our next episode. But we will. So until then, uh, thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Bye.